0: If I had to choose one word of the English language to focus on the Christian faith, the word would be resurrection. If I had to choose one word today that separates our faith from all the other faiths of the world, I would choose the word resurrection. Resurrection. The very fact that we are here today is that He rose from the dead. It is the only thing that we can offer this old dark and ruined world to bring order out of its chaos and life out of its death. Check the definition of the gospel in the text we read a while ago. The gospel is Christ came, He died was buried, and rose again. If there's no resurrection, there's no gospel, there can be no good news. Every time we tell a sinner how to be saved, we ought to include in that presentation of the gospel all of the gospel. And I think it is erroneous to tell somebody the plan of salvation and to say that you're a sinner, sinners are lost, Christ died for sinners, You put your faith in Christ. That's all that's necessary. I would never think of telling somebody the plan of salvation without explaining to him not only that Christ died for our sins, but he rose again for our justification. You know, we see signs on uh, the highway, uh, Christ died for our sins. We see little slogans and little uh, posters: Christ died for our sins. Why doesn't somebody put on the posters Christ rose for our justification? That's as much the gospel as in dying for our sins. It is the force of the gospel. It is the fence between us and misery. It is a vital leg on the tripod of our faith. It is the guardian that keeps our faith from vanity. And yet, If I had to choose today, from the Christian vocabulary, the most neglected word in our churches, it is the word resurrection. For 52 weeks, we imprison this great truth and grant visiting hours one hour on Easter Sunday morning. We place the empty tomb in an empty tomb and keep it there for 364 days a year. And then for one day a year, we go to a sunrise service or come to an Easter morning service and say that Jesus lives. I think it's time we liberated the resurrection from one day a year. Then we polish off our dusty (laughs) faith, resurrect our Easter bonnets, bring our Lord out of the grave for one hour, read Matthew 28 for the first time in a year, Sing, Up from the grave he arose, and he lives, and then we whitewash sin in a flabby Easter sermon and go back to our, our, our individual sepulchres and live among the dead and walk among the dead for the other 364 days. We push Jesus back in the grave, and the resurrection becomes nothing more than an epilogue to the gospel. An addendum to the plan of salvation, a suffix to the gospel of grace, and an afterthought in God's economy. Now, I want to say this morning that the resurrection of our Lord is more than an epilogue to the gospel. It's more than an addendum to God's plan of salvation, or a suffix to the gospel of grace, or an afterthought in God's economy. The resurrection of Christ is as important to your salvation as is the cross of Calvary. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the overpowering news that the Lord is risen and is the hope of the world. A dead virgin-born Savior is no Savior at all. If Calvary is the last chapter in the book, then our faith is in vain. The symbol of Christianity should not be a dead crucifix, but a risen Christ trampling a broken cross under his feet. And he who only gazes at Calvary is living on the wrong side of the cross. The she who wears around her neck a crucifix ought to have another uh, necklace wrapped around her neck beside the crucifix. She ought to have an empty tomb. Right beside the crucifix. Now, why? Why is the resurrection so important? And I say this it's necessary for a person to be saved. It is as necessary as the virgin birth. It is as necessary as the, as the sinless life. It is as necessary as the deity of Christ. It is as necessary as the cross of Calvary. And I'd like to start the campaign that we liberate this doctrine, and that this, that's one of the dangers about Easter and about Christmas. We sing on Christmas, uh, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How Still We See the lie." Well, bless God here at First Baptist Church, we may sing that on July the 30th, 13th. We may sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Listen, there's, there's nothing the devil enjoys anymore than for us to take one little day, a year, and rejoice in the fact that Christ was virgin born and then put it in the closet and all year long never say anything about the virgin birth of our Lord. Listen, we ought to say every day of our lives, thank God, thank God, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah! This morning for the fact that Christ came in Bethlehem. manger. There's nothing Satan could enjoy anymore than for us to sing. He lives on Easter Sunday. Up from the grave, he arose on Easter Sunday. But I love the story of that fellow who was on a a train one day. He walked back and tried to tell a fellow about Christ, and the fellow laughed at him. (laughs) This guy shook this fellow by the shoulders, and he said, Listen to me, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walked with me and talked with me a long, last narrow way. He lives! He lives! Salvation to impart. You ask me how, I know He lives. He lives within my heart and nothing will satisfy the risen Christ unless we as God's redeemed people live the resurrected life 365 days a year. But now, why is this resurrection of Christ so vital and so important? You find the answer, and i ask your attention, very careful attention now, for a few minutes. You find the answer in what we call in the Bible the Day of Atonement. Now listen carefully. The Day of Atonement was a special day in the lives of God's people in the Old Testament before Calvary. (laughs) And that Day of Atonement was a picture telling the Jews what was going to come someday in Christ and His life, His death, And his resurrection. Now on that day, they took two goats. That was the seventh month of the year and the tenth day of the month. They took two goats. They brought these goats, (laughs) and the priest would place his hands on the head of one of those goats. He would confess, I'm sorry, hold it. He would first kill one goat. And then he would, as that one goat died, he would take the other goat and place his hands on his head and confess the sins of the people of God. Then he would take the living goat and lead that living goat out into the wilderness. And that living goat was not allowed to return to the camp of the saints. Now, follow me. One goat could not picture our Savior It took one to die and one to carry our sins out in the wilderness. And so when when that one goat died and his life was taken, that was a picture of the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. But as the other goat was taken and the sins were confessed with the hands of the priest upon that goat, and then that goat was led out in the wilderness, never returned. That's a picture, the whole picture is this. Jesus, who died as the Lamb, paying for our sins. But it took more than that. As the living goat, he rose from the dead and carried our sins away until as deep as the deepest sea, as high as the highest sky, as far as the farthest wilderness. So our sins are separated from us. And so Jesus is our sacrifice. He died. He was buried. And he rose again for our justification. But they did something else. They also took an animal. Another animal. And <laughs> they killed that animal. If I could have this microphone right here, please. They killed that animal. And they took, heard it, please. They took that animal. Not quite that much. They took that animal and they killed it. They had what they called a tabernacle, later known as the temple. And they took that, and inside that tabernacle, (laughs) or temple, (laughs) there was a very sacred room. And that room was called the Holy of Holies. In that room was a little piece of furniture. We'll let this piece of furniture, well we can't do that, Uh, right here was a little piece of furniture. Now nobody could go into that room but the high priest. And he could only go once a year, and that was on the Day of Atonement. Out here in the outer court, just outside that tabernacle, was an altar. Now, a lamb was taken, a bullock was taken on the Day of Atonement, and the bullock was killed on that altar. This is the same day, by the way, as the day of the two goats, when one was taken and killed, and the other was led away in the wilderness. Now, this lamb was slain on that altar out here. Then the high priest (laughs) took a container, a container, and he took the blood, some blood, from that animal that once a year was slain. He took that blood inside the tabernacle, through the outer room, known as the holy place, and then inside The Holy of Holies, where only He could go, and He could only go once a year. He took the blood of that animal and He sprinkled that blood on that mercy seat. Above that mercy seat was the Shekinah glory representing God's presence with His people. Let me go through it again. (laughs) Out here, (laughs) out here, we have an altar. Listen now. On that altar, The lamb was slain. The blood of that lamb, some of it, was taken. And the high priest, by the way, the high priest dressed in his priestly uh, (laughs) attire, walked inside the tabernacle through the holy place, and he came to a veil seven inches wide. That veil was. It was so wide, uh, a team of horses to get at full speed and run against that veil and could not even cause a ripple in the veil. Seven inches wide, that veil was made of linen, a picture of the linen of our righteousness in Christ. It was made of linen that was red, that's man, blue, that's God, purple, that's red and blue, that's the God-man. And this high priest would come once a year. He would enter through that veil, and then he would walk inside, and there was that mercy seat, solid gold. And there was the presence of God above that mercy seat. And that high priest would take the blood and sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. Now listen to me. Just the lamb out here was not enough. That blood had to get in there on that mercy seat. The blood on the floor was not enough. The blood on the ground was not enough. The blood must be in that mercy seat, on that mercy seat. And so the high priest would sprinkle that blood. <laughs> then he would walk outside as God's fire had come and devoured that blood, symbolizing the fact that God was satisfied with that blood. Then the high priest would walk out, and he would lift his hands toward the sky, and he would shout to the people who were waiting him. <laughs> It is finished. That meant that God had accepted their offering of atonement and that their sins were atoned for for that year. That was what happened. Now, wait a minute. All of this is a picture of Jesus Christ. He was that lamb that was slain. But now, wait a minute. A lamb, we need more than a lamb. We do need that. And I want to say something. Folks that don't believe the blood of Christ are going straight to hell. I don't care how sincere you are, if you have not received Christ as your Savior, I mean the virgin-born Christ, I mean the suffering Christ, I mean the deity of Christ, I mean if you have not received Christ as your substitute, as your sacrifice, you have no hope for eternal life. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. On a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Listen, the cross is essential to salvation. And there's no other way to God, unless it's bloody way, by trusting Christ, not just as a baby in a manger, not just as a good man walking the shores of Galilee, but as the Son of God who took upon himself your sin and my sin and went to Calvary and judged sin by paying our penalty. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not enough. You've got to get that blood in there. But only one person can take that blood in that holy place. And that person was the High Priest. And so Jesus, as our Lamb, went to Calvary and died. But thanks be to God, He rose. Why? Because He had to be the High Priest. And He was the High Priest. So as the Lamb of God, He died on the cross. But He had to become the High Priest. (laughs) And if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, he could not be the high priest. So he took his own blood from the cross, the very blood that was shed at the foot of Calvary, the blood that flowed from his hands, his feet, his side, and his wounded brow. He took that blood and started not only did he die as the lamb, but he rose as the high priest. He started his journey into heaven, by the way. The high priest could not be touched with the hands of men between the altar and the sprinkling of the blood in the Holy of Holies. That's why when Mary Magdalene came to Jesus, he said, touch me not. He said, touch me not. Uh, He said, I've not yet ascended to my Father. What was he saying? I'm the high priest now. I haven't gotten to the heavenly mercy seat yet. So what did Jesus do? He took his own blood. He walked, by the way, he walked inside The heavenly mercy seat of which the earthly mercy seat was only a symbol. He took his own blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from man's stains, and sinners plunge, beneath that blood, lose all their guilt in it. You don't need this morning an Easter service. You don't need an Easter time where you put your bonnet on and get religious for 40 days a year, or one day a year, and go to church. You need a Savior who died for you, and a high priest who rose for you. He took his own blood. And he brought that blood to the very presence of God in the glory land and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And today, while I stand right here, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is in the presence of God the Father. And God the Father can look down on the blood of Christ and say, "'Tis done! The great transaction's done! I am my Lord's, and he is mine.'" Now, why did Jesus rise? <laughs> he had to rise because the high priest only could go in the Holy of Holies. And he alone could be our high priest. And so as our Savior, he died. As our high priest, he rose and took the blood on the mercy seat and sprinkled it. And then the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Why did Jesus sit down at the right hand of God the Father? There are two reasons He sat down. The first reason, the work was finished! It's all finished! He sat down! Now why did He sit down at the right hand of the Father? He sat there because you and I need a lawyer. Somebody needs to remind the Father what that blood stands for. And somebody needs to sit there at the right hand of the Father in the honored position who can say every time we sin, Father, see that blood? Yes, sir. you know what it means? It means as a lamb, I died. It means as a priest, I rose. It means I took my own blood and sprinkled my own blood on the cross, on, on the mercy seat. And now then, salvation's plan is finished. Let me tell you something. There are any people this morning wear a cross around their neck? Don't have the foggiest idea what they're talking about. Meet a person with your sunrise service this morning and said that Jesus rose, they have the foggiest idea what they're talking about. Salvation's plan is a living, a dying, a buried, a resurrected Christ. And the reason it is, the reason it is, is because you've got to have a substitute. And then that substitute must get his blood. On the mercy seat. The offering on Calvary is not enough. There must also be the high priest. But Jesus is more than that. He is that lamb that was slain. He is that high priest (laughs) that went inside the Holy of Holies and sprinkled his blood. But he's more than that. There had to be somebody else. There had to be somebody to kill that lamb. And that somebody, when that sinner would take that lamb and kill that lamb, even that sinner was a picture of Jesus Christ. For it was not the angry hands of the Roman soldiers that put our lamb on the cross. It was not the mockery and the hatred of the Jewish mob They put him on the cross and they said, crucify him, (laughs) crucify him. Jesus Christ laid down his own life. And he himself took his own life and offered his own life. And so Christ is the lamb. He's also the slayer of the lamb. He's also the high priest. He's also the lawyer at the inside on the right hand of God the Father pleading our case. (laughs) You don't need this morning. I don't mean to be unkind, but I mean to be truthful. You don't need this morning a little ash on your brow on Ash Wednesday. You don't need this morning Easter sunrise service where a bunch of folks that don't even read the Bible's inspired Word of God get together for a while and have some little gooey kind of a service where you can go out to the tavern tomorrow night or go out to the tavern after you get through with your Good Friday service. You don't need that. You need to realize that you are a sinner. You need to realize that sinners are lost and condemned in the sight of Almighty God. And you realize that Jesus Christ became your sin. And went to Calvary as your lamb and paid the penalty, but rose as your high priest to take his precious blood to the presence of God and sat down at the right hand of God to be your intercessor to keep God the Father reminded of the blood that washed away Your sins. And that means this this morning. That means if Christ be not risen, we have no high priest. We have a sacrifice, but we have no high priest. If Christ be not risen, his blood is not on heaven's mercy seat, and our sins have not been atoned for. If Christ is not risen, his blood today is only sprinkled around the foot of a cross on Golgotha's hill. If Christ be not risen, we have no mercy seat. If Christ be not risen, we have no intercessor. If Christ be not risen, we have no hope of the resurrection. If Christ be not risen, my two little sisters, buried through the graves beside each other, in the Texas will never rise from the dead. If Christ be not risen, my dear mother, who's 96 years of age, and who several times in the last few months has knocked on the door of heaven and thought she heard angels coming to open the door, if Christ be not risen, she has no hope for heaven. She'll never see her daughters again. She'll never see the face of her Savior. If Christ be not risen, John Rice is not in heaven, and Mary Sunday is not in heaven, and your dear mother, is not in heaven after she passed away. If Christ be not risen, There's no new Jerusalem, no glorified bodies, no blessed hope, and no rapture, if Christ be not risen. But thanks be to God, Christ is risen. We do have a high priest. The blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat. It did not stay at Calvary. Jesus took his blood There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that blood lose all their guilt and say, he did rise from the grave, he did take his own blood, he did go inside heaven's holy of holies, he did find the golden mercy seat, the original, he did sprinkle his blood, and God's justice was satisfied. And now sinful fallen man can have a total plan of redeeming grace, for Christ." Lived as our perfect lamb. He died as our substitute. He dipped his own soul in the torments of hell so you and I would never have to go to hell. And then, thank God, after three days and three nights, ah, from the grave he arose. Look mighty triumph triumphed his foes. Why? So we, he could complete redemption's plan. And that redemption's plan is only completed when the sacrifice is made perfect by the blood being taken by the high priest and sprinkled in the presence of God Himself. This morning, if you could take a visit to the glory of the world, and you could go to the very presence of our great Jehovah God, you would find sitting right beside Jehovah God's glory today, you would find The God man. If he lifted his hands, you'd see scars. He showed you his teeth, you'd see scars. And that God man today will be sitting beside the glory of God. And on his left would be the very blood that once went through his veins, sprinkled on the mercy seat. That's why he had to rise. That's why there must be a resurrection. He did not rise just to prove that he was God, though it did prove he was God. He did not rise as God. He rose as man, because Romans 8.11 says, The spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is what caused him to rise. But the necessity of his rising was not so he could have an empty tomb, or an Easter sunrise service, or an Easter service, or Easter bonnet, Easter egg, huh? The purpose of his rising! We've got to get that blood from the cross to the mercy seat. And only one person could go in the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. And so our high priest, Hebrews 7.25, says, Ever liveth to make intercession for us. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I rejoice today that Jesus lives. I rejoice the grave was empty. I rejoice on this Easter Sunday morning that the tomb <laughs> could not hold him, and death could not keep him, and Satan could not conquer him. I rejoice in that, but I don't just rejoice there. I rejoice not in only in the fact that he rose, but the fact that why he rose. He rose because there are two things I've got to have. I've got to have a Savior, and I've got to have a High Priest. No oh, Savior, no high priest, no salvation. High priest, no savior, no salvation. The only thing that would appease the justice and righteousness of a holy God was for the Lamb to be slain and the blood of the Lamb to be brought to the presence of God as an ever-reminder, constant reminder, of God's justice being satisfied. I don't kind of churches you join... Unless you take this plan, you will not go to heaven. You will go to I don't believe the Baptist plan. I don't either. I'm not giving you the Baptist plan. I'm giving you God's plan, the Bible plan. But you see, my, my denomination doesn't agree with that. Then I've changed denominations and getting one that believes God's plan of redeeming grace. So I'm not going to come back here anymore to hear you preach. Then I better give you the truth while you're here, haven't I? If this is it, I better let you have the truth while you're here. And the truth is. You will never go to heaven without a Savior who died and a high priest who rose. That's what it means when it says, three statements, Christ died for our sins. That's the Lamb. Christ rose for our justification. That's the high priest going inside the Holy of Holies and strengthening the mercy seat, above the mercy seat. And he ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's our advocate, our lawyer, our attorney. No resurrection, no advocate. No resurrection, no blood on the mercy seat. No resurrection, no salvation. Now, all this is made effective by your faith in this plan. Anybody in this room, I don't care what baptistry you baptize in, you may have a as a baby, that won't do it. You may have been baptized as a junior, a child, that won't do it. You may have taken communion until your lips are, are, are great red, but that won't do it. You may have been baptized until you grow fins under your arms, but that won't do it. You may have taken enough uh, Holy Eucharist until your esophagus is choking you to death on the dryness of the bread, but that won't do it. The only thing that'll ever get you to heaven, you need a Savior who died, and a high priest who rose, and an intercessor who pleads. Our heaven is one. In the Bible.